0: Most of the books, most of the workshops about trust are really about trustworthiness. It's what you have to do to be more trusted, to be more trustworthy. In this episode, I'll talk about the role of the leader in building trust in the organization, and in other words, in helping all of the employees in the team to be more trusted and more trustworthy. There is no doubt that if you're a leader that wants to build trust in your organization, you need to first be trusted by your organization. So you do need to work on your own trustworthiness and in how you become more trusted. Uh, It's kind of like uh, putting the uh, oxygen mask in an airplane. You put yours first and then you can help others. So the first step is you have to become more trusted. But as a leader, as as a general manager, a human resources manager, a project manager, a CEO, anybody who's in a leadership position, you do care about the overall level of trust. Because as the person responsible for a team or a company or any organization, you do reap the benefits, the rewards of that organization, of that team, only if all the employees are trustworthy. And when I talked about team, and and I believe that I talked about about that uh, pretty early on in this podcast, I talked about the weakest link in a team. Part of the, the creativity, the innovation level, the productivity of a team depends on their ability to hold what I call a constructive disagreement, being able to disagree in a constructive way. One of the components that lead you to have this ability is your willingness to be vulnerable. If you're willing to be vulnerable, and it starts by asking stupid questions, suggesting stupid ideas, if you're willing to be vulnerable, then your teamwork is more constructive. Your disagreement style is more constructive. It's trying to reach a goal rather than, you know, win an argument and so that the other person loses. But what I found in one of my surveys is that your willingness to be vulnerable is 240% higher if you, are, if you trust the other person, if there's a higher level of trust, 240% higher. So I want you to imagine this, you have a small team, there are four members in that team, the level of trust between every two is very high, but then you add a fifth member of the team. When you add this fifth member, that the other members of the team, or even just some of them, don't trust, and maybe they just don't trust them yet, that member becomes the weakest link. And the level of vulnerability that the others are willing to show just drops. And when it drops, the entire team is not as constructive, as productive, as creative as it was before. So you do need to make sure as a leader that every Uh, I'm going to call it every dependency uh, relationship has a high level of trust. But we're back to if you want to build trust, you need to build trustworthiness of the person that needs to be trusted or the trustee that needs to be trusted by the other person. I don't know if I would wish the trust was universal and absolute. Actually, the fact that it's not gives me a lot of work. But trust is not universal. It is not absolute. It is relative. It is unique. It is contextual. It is personal. It happens differently between every other two people. And in fact, uh, and I talked about that in my last TED Talk, the relativity of trust. It's the same behavior that would cause one person to trust you could cause another person to distrust you. So you have to look at your own trustworthiness, or every person who wants to be more trusted has to look at their own trustworthiness through the lens of the person that they want to be trusted by. So how do you build your trustworthiness? Well, if trust was universal and absolute, if there was a set of things that would apply to everyone in every relationship and in every context, then uh, you know, do one to many. So one person teaches everybody else. It's the same thing. You can do that through lectures, through classes, online courses, and everybody would get the same and everybody would build their own trustworthiness. The problem is the trust is relative. It's not universal. It's not absolute. And what that means is that there is no same set of rules that would apply to everyone. What it also means is that it requires more skill to be able to diagnose a trust or lack of trust relationship, to diagnose what you're doing in that relationship, what you're doing wrong in that relationship, which, by the way, is the second step of my Trust Habits uh, platform or or, uh, framework, You have to be able to make a plan that is effective and will deliver the results, and you have to be able to execute on it. And because it requires more skill, I think the probability of if I let you do it by yourself, if I give you my book, the the book of trust, go do it. Uh, If you go take an online course, there is a lower probability. I'm not going to say that it's zero. It still is better than zero, but there is a lower probability of your ability to do it by yourself because it does require skill. It does require experience. So why not leaders? Why not have leaders do that? You know, most of the programs that involve the word leaders in trust really focus on how leaders should be trusted, how leaders can be trusted. What do leaders need to do to be trusted but not so much how leaders can build trust in their organizations. Now, as I said before, there is no doubt that that if you wanna build trust in the organization, to be effective in building trust in the organization, you have to start by being trusted yourself by that organization. So that has to be the first step. So so we're past that, but we need to go a step beyond that. And I'll I'll talk about that when I get to the four layers uh, next. There is one more thing that I want you to consider, and that is the sixth law of trust. The trust is reciprocal. And and I did talk about that, I believe, in season three, episode two, if I'm not mistaken, I talked about how to kill employee trustworthiness. I'm actually, uh, in two days, I'm going to give a keynote on exactly that same topic. And the, the way you kill employee trustworthiness is by not... Trusting them, by showing them that you don't trust them. The way you build employee trustworthiness is by showing them that you trust them. So you can actually build the trustworthiness of your employees by trusting them and by showing them that you trust them. And that is the sixth law of trust. Trust is reciprocal. It's not only that uh, if you're trustworthy, I will trust you. But if I trust you and I show you that I trust you, then you will behave in a trustworthy way just to avoid the cognitive dissonance of uh, feeling trusted but knowing that you didn't earn it. But that's only the trustworthiness of your employees relative to you. So this is how you can affect their trustworthiness by you, but not their trustworthiness by other people, which is the topic of this episode. So first of all, i want to set out the the framework there are going to be four layers the first layer is the motivation the motivation is how do i motivate myself to build trust or my employees to be trustworthy so we're we're starting with the layer of motivation if there's no motivation there's not going to be an effort uh you know this this is a very simple human concept You are going to go through an effort only if you're motivated enough to do it. So we're going to start by building the motivation. One layer above it is once you have the motivation, let's go with understanding. You want to understand what you're doing, whether it's to be trusted or how to trust others uh, or build trust by others. But you want to understand, understand how this works. Layer three is the process? How does a person become trustworthy? Now so far these are the three layers uh, overall layers and, and three major parts of the book uh, the book of trust uh, and, and my overall trust habits uh, framework. Here is why trust is important. Here's how, now let's go to understanding. Here's how trust behaves. Here's what makes a person generally uh, trusted. It's it's a framework. It's not the, the very specific behaviors. And then here is the process. And there are seven, step, uh, seven steps in the trust habits process that starts with identifying a relationship, goes on to uh, identifying what is it that I'm doing bad that's holding me back from being more trusted and all the way to execution. Those are the three layers if you want to be more trusted, if you want to be more trustworthy. The fourth layer is how can you help others be trustworthy? You know, my my belief is that uh, if uh, the way you master a skill, first is by someone explaining it to you. Second is by someone showing it to you. Third is by you doing it while being supervised by another person who knows how to do it. The fourth is when you do it by yourself alone. And the fifth one is when you teach or coach or mentor others. So this time we're going to really focus about uh, focus on the, the fourth one. How do you coach? How do you apply this to others? So with that, let's start with the four different uh, layers. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard the episode where I talked about the uh, motivation part. Uh, I think that was in, in uh, season three as well. D- you know, th- this takes me back to 2012. And in 2012, um, I was in New York and uh, I went to the Rockefeller Plaza to see the uh, Today, the NBC Today show uh, being recorded. I went to the uh, experiences, uh, Experience Store in the second floor. And uh, three ladies came to me. One of them was Madeleine Ferrenstrom. She was the nutritional expert uh, for NBC and two with clipboards. And they asked me, do you want to be on the Today Show? Would you? I mean, who says no to that? This is national uh, TV. But, you know, before I said yes, I asked, what's the context? And they said weight loss. So I looked down uh, and I could see why they're coming to me uh, to ask me about being on the show in the context of weight loss. But you know what? It's still national TV. I'm going to be on national uh, TV. So I asked them, uh, what do you want me to do? Uh, And sure enough, they didn't ask me to come talk about trust, which, by the way, was not my topic back then. They said we are going to bring people on air, on stage, if you have a good question that you can ask that obviously they're going to answer. So I'm I'm going to be part of the audience. They're going to turn to the audience. And I thought about it for a second and I said, you know what? I do. I do have a question. And the question is, I've been meaning to lose weight for I don't know how long. I know what I have to do. I know what I can and cannot eat. I know how much exercise I need. Knowledge is not the issue. Where do you find the motivation? And so they heard that question. They said, oh, this is a great question. We're going to put you on air. So sure enough, they put me on air. I asked the question. uh, You know, I know what I need to do. I know what I can't do. Knowledge is not the issue. Where do you find the motivation? Then they gave a very generic, uh, I'm going to say, not very useful answer, but I was flying back home thinking to myself, wait a minute, I just finished my doctoral research that was about motivation. Granted, it was motivation for creativity and productivity, but it was motivation. So if I understand motivation and the issue is not knowledge, the issue is motivation, why can't I figure it out? And by the time I got home, I set the framework to what was at that time my second book, uh, Worst Diet Ever, which, by the way, is the only one of my 16 books that is cataloged at the Library of Congress, uh, oddly enough. But it was a framework of how you build motivation and, you know, it has extrinsic motivation and and so on. But motivation is important because uh, losing weight, just like building your own trustworthiness, takes work. It takes an effort, and so you need to have that motivation. The motivation has to be at the employee level, not just at the, uh, the leader level. I mean, the employee has to be motivated to do it, and the reason I know that was because in one of my online courses that I developed, uh, Trusted at Work, I have a Regular, I call it the personal version, and I have the enterprise version. And the difference between the personal version and the enterprise version is that people, just general people, they just go to Trusted at Work. They they take the Trusted at Work uh, course. They pay uh, close to $400 to take this course. They're already motivated because it takes motivation to pay $400. But when you're an employee... And your boss says, or your human resources manager says, you have to take this course. And oh, by the way, we're paying for it. They're not motivated enough. And the way I know that is because I saw that they're not making any progress. So what I did was I actually uh, created things and and functions and features into that course, such as uh, getting a certificate at the end that they had to show their boss, or their HR manager uh, that I put in quizzes I put in, uh, you can't move to the next video until you completely watch this one and and so on. Those were things that I've put in there. They were kind of extrinsic motivators and I put them in there because the person taking this course is not taking them because they're intrinsically motivated, but because they're extrinsically motivated. So as a leader, you need to first motivate your employees to do it and you can motivate them intrinsically. This is how important it is. uh, And this is what I found in my research that employees really care about their impact on the outcome they care about uh, what they do for the company they care about being recognized by the way a lot more than they care about bonuses and and, uh, financial incentives whatever it is you have to be able to motivate them to go down this path uh it's important to convince others uh you know you may need to uh you may decide that this is really important building trust in your company in your team is really really important you want to do that and in order to do that you need management to support you people above you to support you you need to motivate them so you need to show them you need to give them the link between this effort and it is an effort and you do need to focus on it and your employees need to focus on it and the results that they should expect, and you know in previous episodes of uh, uh, this podcast in this season and before that, I talked a lot about the numbers, the percentages, the what happens when you have a higher level of trust, and why it's so important. The first layer of how you as a leader can build trust in your organization is uh, the motivation. We we just went through that. The second layer is the understanding. You need to understand, your employees need to understand what makes a person trusted. I mean, you can just say, do this. But if they don't understand why, then you, you're not gonna have consistent execution. If something doesn't go exactly as you thought, as, as they thought it is, or as you uh, thought it is, then uh, everything falls apart. So, so understanding makes for more consistent execution. Keep in mind that trust is subtle. Again, it's not universal, it's not absolute, it is subtle. Uh, And because of that, you need to understand. You need to understand how it works so you can think and and you can even analyze yourself. And and since I already used the word analyze, I want to talk about the um, Bloom's taxonomy. I remember learning about this, uh, kind of the uh, pyramid of cognitive skills, of how you acquire cognitive skills. It starts by the lowest level, which is remembering. And unfortunately, we do a lot of that in our schools uh, today. So, I want you to remember that if A, then B. And this is it, you don't need to understand why, you, all you need to know is if A, then B. So you're not challenging anything, you just remember it. That's not really understanding. The second layer is really understanding. Why does A lead to B? Now that you understand why does A lead to B, then you understand if you didn't get B, probably A didn't exist and what does that mean? This is the level that that I'm talking about right now, the understanding. Applying is going to be the next level, the next uh, step in this uh, four-step, four-layer framework. And that's applying, application. How does it apply to my situation? Now that I understand it, how does it apply? to my situation. Analyzing might actually be part of applying in in my framework because you need to analyze yourself. But analyzing in Bloom's Taxonomy really talks about analyzing why does A lead to B? Let's go deeper into that. I don't expect you to do it. I don't expect your employees to do that. Since I'm already talking about Bloom's taxonomy, might as well go all the way. One layer above it is synthesizing. Synthesizing actually existed in the original Bloom's taxonomy in 1956. It moved into evaluating in 2001. Uh, Synthesizing means your ability to take two different frameworks, combine them into one more comprehensive one. Uh, But it changed into evaluating in 2001, and evaluating is your ability to determine Uh, the value and the credibility and validity of whatever source you're actually using or relying on to get to your application understanding and and analyzing. And and finally, layer six used to be evaluating originally in 1956. In 2001, it changed to creating. In my framework, it's really the coaching others. And that's going to be the fourth layer uh, that I'll talk about. So we're at the layer of understanding. And the question is, First question is, what is trust, really? So this is the the point where uh, people need to understand why do you trust? What what is trust? What does it mean to trust? Why do you do it? And that was actually, I believe, the topic of my last episode in in this season, uh, episode three. Uh, What is trust? Why do we need to trust? the next thing you need to understand is how trust behaves so over the last i don't know 14 years i observed eight laws of trust so i'm going to touch just on a few of them but uh, one is uh, trust number uh, law number eight trust is a two-person game so there's the person that needs to be trusted and the person that's doing the trusting uh and that's important because uh you know for me to trust you Uh, or the trust that I have in you is the product of my trustability, my willingness to trust other people in general and your trustworthiness. Uh, You can't do anything about the former and everything about the latter. So that's why it's so important that the focus is on trustworthiness, on being trustworthy, rather than uh, trying to build trust uh, symmetrically, if you will. Another one is the trust is relative. And that's important because that means that your trustworthiness is going to be different by different people. So you need to work on your trust, uh, on your trustworthiness differently. Uh, And finally, that uh, because of those, focus must be on your trustworthiness and every relationship at the time. The next thing that you need to understand is still we're at the understanding layer, is what makes a person trusted. So we understand the focus needs to be on being trusted, on being trustworthy. And this is where I take the six component model Uh, which I spent, I believe, season two describing in more detail. Uh, But the the two major groups of components are the who you are and what you do. Who you are, which is kind of your brand, uh, your reputation, what people know about you even when you're not present. And what you do is what you do when you are present, the, the interaction itself. So this is the understanding that before we move on to let's start applying things, Let's start being more trustworthy. Let's start building trust. Both you and the people that you want to help be more trusted needs to understand the framework. They need to understand what is trust, how trust behaves, and what makes a person trusted. Once you're done with that, we can move on to the process. The next layer is the process, and the process is how do I become more trusted? How does any person become more trusted? Uh, Edward Deming, who's considering one of the biggest thinkers in the field of quality, he he had a quote that I really like. He said, if you can't describe what you are doing as a process, you don't know what you're doing. And I took that to heart, and when I built trust habits, trust habits is a process, And it's a process that focuses on trustworthiness. It's a process that takes away a lot of the guesswork. It's a proven process. And and it's a process that would apply not only to building trust, but it's a process that that would work for other things as well. It is based on research. There is a lot of work that went into that. The reason we need this process, the reason this process is so prescriptive in um, detail is because there is no silver bullet there is no shortcut here there is no one thing that you do you know just do this you can't pay anyone to do it so that you will be more trusted you know i wish you could I, I wish i could pay someone to lose weight you know i, I don't mind I, i'm gonna pay five thousand dollars to lose uh 30 pounds right now actually no that would be a little too much uh too many pounds i, I don't want to lose 30 pounds but uh what if I could pay five thousand? Could you? Would you be willing to pay five thousand dollars to lose the as much weight as you want to lose? Sure, but I'm, I'm sorry, there is no such silver bullet. It's gonna take effort, and it's your effort. Nobody can do it for you. Doesn't matter how much money you have. Nobody can do it for you. What the process focuses on is forming new habits. And this is one thing that, by the way, is unique in the Trust Habits framework. It's that it exists in the intersection of the science of trust and the science of habit forming. So it's not just about trust. It's about how you form habits. And specifically, it's you form habits that change behaviors, that build tra- trust, and transform organizations. This process is made of three major group of, of steps uh, with a total of, uh, uh, of seven steps. So there is the analysis phase, the planning phase, and the execution phase. The analysis phase starts with identifying a critical relationship. You're not going to be trusted by all people at all things all the time. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry to burst your bubble here. You need to identify a critical relationship where you need to be trusted. Or if you're the coach, if you're the leader that wants to help somebody else, you need to identify a critical relationship in in which they need to be trusted. Then you need to identify, and, and I'm going to go back to applying it as if you're the person who wants to be trusted. Then you want to identify what is it that you're doing wrong. And I, I talked enough about why is it more important to focus on doing why what is the one wrong thing that I'm doing that's holding me back from being more trusted because it's just significantly more impactful than trying to add one more good thing. Identify the bad thing. So that's the analysis phase. You, you identify the relationship, you identify what you're doing wrong. The planning phase is how you create a plan that will create form this new habit so first of all it's defining the new habit then it's making it smart Uh, smart uh, as an acronym uh, like um it starts with being specific measurable achievable but not too easy that's important relevant and i would add an impactful and time bound The next part is you want to make it stick. You want to make it something that is repeatable, that, uh, you know, take away friction. There are like eight different tools that I provided in, in that part alone. And you want to appoint an accountability partner. If I go back to research done by ATD uh, that uh, doing things on your own, even if you know what you're going to do, know what your goal is, made a commitment, made a plan, put a timeline, you're still not better than 50%. You still have no better than 50% probability of achieving it. But if you have an accountability partner and you meet with them regularly... You raise this from 50% to 95%. Or, you know, a better way to look at it is if your probability of failure is 50%, you go from 50% to 5% probability of failure. You reduce the probability of failure by a factor of 10. Doesn't matter how you look at it. And then the third part is, or the third phase, is the execution phase. This is where you just repeat 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 do it again and again and again and again you're doing it with the accountability partner that you uh, appointed in the previous one in the previous phase the planning phase so this is the process again I'm, I'm i'm being very brief here because i really want to talk about the fourth layer so the first layer was motivation we need to have motivation to do something because there is going to be effort the second phase is education. It's understanding. It's understanding what it is and and why is it working this way. So that you know, if you need to make small course corrections, you'll understand it and not just rely on what you remember. Third phase is the process itself. How do you turn this into a repeatable process with predictable results? Next, I'll talk about the fourth layer, which is where you come in. So we're back to where we started. You, the leader, you're not right now focused on being more trusted. I'm going to assume that you already went through it uh, in uh, phases one, two, and three, or layers one, two, and three. Now you're at the point that you are going to help others become more trusted and more trustworthy. This is the ultimate layer. Again, if I go back to the process of learning, I'll explain it to you. I'll show you. You do it under my supervision or mentorship. Do it by yourself. Repeat it until you're really good. The top layer is you help others. You teach others. Uh, The first business book I ever read, Build to Last, one of the best quotes from it is, in my opinion, be a clockmaker, not a time teller. And I like this phrase, not because my father was a clockmaker, but because what it means is that instead of telling time, build clocks that can tell time each and every one of them by themselves. So instead of, and it's not instead, it's, it's after you are trusted, now you take the role of I'm going to help everybody else in my organization become more trusted. Now, this requires more significant training. This is, you're not going to do it once and then immediately go and try and help others because what worked for you may not work for them. So you need to know more than what you did. You need to be more experienced than the experience you had when you did it for yourself. This is not about you increasing your trustworthiness. This is about how you coach others. You also need to understand the principles of coaching, of mentoring, because that's different than doing it for yourself. How do you help somebody else do something that they don't know how to Uh, They may not be motivated. So now we're getting into the component of you have to motivate them first. You need to explain it to them somehow first before you can help them do it. You do really at the end become very, very good at it. You're, You're going to be the best person to help them because you have done it yourself. You've done it on yourself so you can see it from their perspective, from their point of view. You've done it for other people. So you know how to do it. You know how you're better in analyzing their situation. You're better in identifying a relationship that uh, that is critical for them or for the organization. You're better at identifying this this behavior that's holding them back. You're better in helping them make a plan. The, the biggest issue with them implementing it by themselves is that, you know, it's it's the first time you fly a plane. It's your first solo flight. Yes, you you flew with with an instructor, but it's your first solo flight. Should you be taking passengers with you? Not so much. It's until you get this experience, and you already have this experience. You have extra training, training on how to apply this process to other people. You have training in the discipline of coaching others, and you've done it enough times for you to be really good at it, to have new insights. And this is how you help others. So to summarize what I took you through, you know most frameworks, most books, courses that they talk about, uh, that that have the words leader and trust in in one sentence or or in the title, uh, focus on you as a leader being more trusted, you being the trusted leader, and that's very important. That has to be the first step, no doubt. What I talked about now, and, and this is the extra layer that I added to my framework, to the trust habits framework, is. Once we're past that, once you as a leader are trusted by others, now it is time for you to help others be more trusted. Now it is time for you to build trust in the organization. And what this fourth layer, this coaching layer, aims at is helping you know how to do it for others. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings help not only you but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops, online courses, books, or go to my website, trusthabits.com. And remember that the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.